Take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. This is Vision Sunday, and um, it's no question, this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year because I'm that kind of guy. I like to think and dream and look and see what's here and what's not here and what could be here. And uh, so this, these are exciting times for me. And I know for some of you it's not so much. You're a little more, uh, you think differently. So you, you're more a plotter, what I think of as a plotter. You know, you, you're here today and you, you got a to-do list for tomorrow and then you're going to get that one done and then you're going to worry about the next day. And so I don't want you to feel like that's bad. That's good. That's why God puts all of us together is because I'm, look, I'm trying to look out and back and see it all and you're looking at the little details and we need them both. But today's actually a, you know, a day for both of us because there hopefully will be enough vision to inspire and yet enough practical hands-on things for you that really want to grab and put your hands on something that you can do that also. So that, that's the intent. The message title is Jesus' Commission is Our Mission. Jesus' Commission is Our Mission. And the Lord uh, speaks these words as He prepares to ascend back to heaven, back to the right hand of His Father, fulfilling Psalm 110, where David, the psalmist, like a prophet, as Peter tells us, says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make all of your enemies your footstool. And so, in fulfillment of that passage, Jesus is standing with His 11 disciples and gives them a commission. 51 words that change the entire world. 51 words that set ablaze 11 embers that began to burn in the upper room of Jerusalem were set on fire by flaming tongues from the Spirit preached the gospel from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, so much so that in Colossians, the Apostle Paul might say, we have preached the gospel to every nation. The Word of God has gone out to all people. It set them on fire, and they embraced a vision that was much bigger than themselves. And that's what it's going to take for Grace Fellowship. As we look into the future, we've got to embrace a vision bigger than I can do or you can do We've got to embrace a vision that only God can accomplish. God required His people of every generation, of every peoples, to embrace visions that are bigger than themselves so that they can't claim the glory for themselves but are forced to say, only God does this. And so often we're trapped in our little boxes and our little worlds and we're accomplishing what we can do. That's as we, how we think. And so we don't turn the praise to God we think, I'm, I'm doing well, I'm getting along, and we're making some expansions, and this is awesome, and isn't this good? But I think we'll take the next step when we decide, hey, I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to challenge the people around me to do something that only God can do. I'm going to plead with God that He would accomplish this in me. I think of a man like David Livingston, who gave his life to the people in the darkest region of the world in terms of the gospel of his day. He went into the heart of Africa. At the end of his life, he was asked, what kept you going all these years? Now, you got to remember, this man gave up everything. He moved into tribal lands that, where his life was constantly at danger. He buried his wife. Men, think about this. He dug her grave. He built her coffin. 
He put her body in it, and then he lowered it with the help of some of his uh, uh, companions there in Africa into the ground, and then he took the spade and threw the, gr the ground in on her. When he finished, he stuck the spade in the ground, looked at the men and said, now let us be on with the mission. What compelled you to go all these years with that kind of passion? He said one simple thing. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. 51 words that changed the world for 11 men, for a city, for a region, and then by Paul's ending, for the nations, and for a man like David Livingston, his whole life was changed. Grace Fellowship, we need to grab hold of these words in the deepest recesses of our hearts and apply them practically in our everyday living. These are not words for missionaries on the field in a foreign land. These are words for you. These are words for me as we live our everyday life. What are these words? Verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. <clears throat> I want to bring a sermon with three points. First point, the commission of Jesus Christ is based on absolute authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. These are the words of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Son of God, just before He ascends to the throne. All authority. What authority? All authority. It's absolute authority. There's no authority besides this authority. It's the authority that He holds in the White House, in the Supreme Court. It's the authority He holds over kings it's the authority He holds over your life and my life. It's all authority. And it's not up for question. Notice He doesn't say, all authority which men recognize has been given to me. Does it say that in this passage? No. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You see, if you're with us this morning, this message is particularly for the people of Grace Fellowship. But if you're lost this morning, I just want to tell you really quickly. I don't care if you accept it or reject it. There's one king over all of creation. And he is not inviting you. He has sent out no invitation. He has sent forth a command. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In heaven, and on earth, and under the earth. He's not inviting anybody. He's commanding. When you look at the gospel, lost man, woman, and child in here, when you look at the gospel, it's not a proposition that you might accept or reject. It's a command that you obey or disobey. He's not some impotent king sitting on a throne Begging and pleading and hoping that somebody might accept him as a king. He's a king with all authority. There's no law that binds him. 
There's no problem that confuses Him. And there's no hand that can stay Him. He is the King of the universe. And so I'm not inviting you, lost man, woman, or child. I'm telling you the Gospel. The Gospel is that you are a sinner. That means simply you are a rebel against the law and will of God. You are a fugitive. You are an enemy. You deserve the full wrath of the one who created all that you can see and can't see. You have no hope in and of yourself. You have no ability to please Him or appease Him. His wrath kindles at this moment. And if it were not for His Son, He would open hell and swallow you this moment. But God, being rich in mercy, with the great love with which He has loved you, has now given you salvation in His Son, Jesus Christ. For by grace, that means you get what you don't, haven't earned. You have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. For it's the gift of God. So sinner, what I'm saying to you is you deserve death and Christ died in your place. Bow your knee and confess Him as your Lord. If not, then He will punish you. Not because you rejected an invitation, because you disobeyed a command. And so, I say the gospel is going forward. And it is all about what we're going to look at today in these 51 words. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Jesus says this in a way that I think should cause us to ask a question. When I was talking to staff about it in staff meeting this week, uh, Dave Swinney who's always observant of these kind of things, said, hey, he says that and it sounds like he didn't have it before. Right? Did you, did you notice that? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's, it's a statement that makes us question, like, were you not all authority and all power prior to this moment? Did you just receive it? Yes and no. Yes, in His divine person, He from before the foundation of the world has had all authority. But as Philippians 2 tells us, He stepped down from the throne of glory and humbled Himself, coming in the form of a man. Even to the point of humbling Himself to a cross, He was a servant to us. And in His flesh, He did not. Not because He was less than God, He's fully God, but in His flesh as a man, He did not possess all authority and power in His flesh. He did as as God, but not as the man. But now, post-resurrection, He possesses all authority not just as God, but as man. It is to a man that God has given the kingdom. And His name is Jesus Christ. He was raised as a man, He will come again as a man, and He will rule throughout eternity as a man. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth as a man. The man. Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. This is what it means that He says, Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us as God in the flesh. And as that flesh 
uh, lived and died and was raised from the dead, now God has entrusted to that flesh the keys of the kingdom, the whole of authority. It's in His hand now. And He sits at the throne as a king now. He's not waiting to be enthroned. Let's never forget that. These are not the words of a hopeful king. That one day I will have all authority. No, He has all authority. And He does reign now. Now. There's no further uh, step necessitated by the statement here, but that He is the King. All authority. So the commission is based on absolute authority, according to verse 18. And then in verse 19, and the first part of 20, we see that the commission is comprehensive enough for your entire life. It's comprehensive enough for you to give your whole life to. Now, I want to speak specifically to college students and singles and children who, um, just for a moment, all the rest of you just kind of sit in the background and listen. But I specifically want to challenge you. You're looking for something to give your life to. I look over here and I see college students. I know there are others, but I, I look over here. I see these faces every week. And I am so excited to see you. You're looking for something to give yourself to. A mission. No generation, maybe since the World War II generation, has had such a burning desire to serve something bigger than itself. After World War II, the baby boomers became self-focused. We know that for a lot of reasons. One, our nation's falling apart. <laughs> because it's all about me. The reason we can't make hard decisions today is because our leaders can't. It's because they've grown up believing it's all about them as individuals. What's easy for me? Your generation's not that way. By and large, as we look at the statistics, as we look at you, as I look into your faces, I don't see a generation that's all about me. As a whole, lost or saved, I see a generation that's saying, I want to make a difference. For the first time in a long time, we've got an opportunity. And I want to tell you, there's no mission that's big enough for your whole life except the one I'm talking about today. It's the only one that will never let you down. It's the only one when you get to the end of your life and as Aaron said, you're laying on your deathbed, you will say, I did something that was worth it. I don't care if you go feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty and I believe in those things or care for an orphan or whatever it is you give your life to. Create processes by which economies around the world thrive. I don't care. Hand out mosquito nets in Africa and save people from malaria until the day you die. That's a good thing. But in the end, it won't be enough. You will go into your grave saying, I didn't do enough. I could have done more. But if you give yourself to this mission, you will lay your head down and say, I gave my life ultimately to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It was enough. It will bring satisfaction like you've never known. And I'm challenging you to do it. Don't let college convince you don't let high school convince you and don't let elementary school convince you that the world is about you. It's not about you. It's not. It's bigger than you. And it's not even as big as the nations. That's big. It's as big as heaven and earth. It's as big as a king that's worthy of heaven and earth. So, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What's the commission? 
As you are going, therefore. Therefore, as you are going. Based on, that's why the first point was the way it is. Based on, that word therefore tells us, based on the fact that I have all authority in heaven and earth, Jesus is saying, as you are going, I know you read it go, but as you are going, that's a better translation. As you are going, make disciples. There is one verb in this passage. There is one idea that is an action that holds the weight of the rest of the the passage. You know what it is? It's not go. Make disciples. That's the mission. Don't miss it, college student. High schooler. Single person. Make disciples. You say, my life's not counting for much. Make disciples. It will count. Make them in Cowan County. Make them in Alabama. Make them in the southeast of the United States. Make them up north and out west and in North America. Make them around the globe. It doesn't matter where you make them. Make them. Make disciples. That's the mission. And how and when are we to do that? While we are going, we are to do it. So now I want to include everybody back into this. Because you say, I'm past single stage. I'm I'm married and got children. I'm a grandparent. I'm old, like Aaron said. You know, like, really old. There's a lot of people here, brother, that over 70 thinking, man, Aaron, I'm looking at death. (laughs) You're not too old. To grab hold of this vision. Because it's not about a foreign mission field. It's not about an unreached people group. It is about them, but it's not all about them. It's about going to work every day. This mission is about going to work every day. This mission is about being at your house tomorrow with your children, homeschooling them. This mission is about you loving your wife and raising your children. This mission is about everything. Everything. In your life. It's a mission big enough you can give everything that you are to it. You don't have to move anywhere. Now I think there are some who are going to move. I'm getting better at this, I think. Jason, tell me if I do it better this time. If we preach a pure and true gospel, there will be some in here who will not stay. They'll go. And the rest of us will help them go and preach the gospel while they're gone right here. And their life will count and our life will count because of the mission and the one the mission is ascribed to, the king. Calhoun County, Oponga, Ponga. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you're a Honda, It's a mission field. You're at a supplier for Honda? It's a mission field. You're teaching school? It's a mission field. You're running a small company? It's a mission field. You're a stay-at-home parent, mom, grandparent? It's a mission field. You're running a homeschool co-op? It's a mission field. You see? The mission is big enough for everybody and it's big enough for all of you. 
It's not about the few that go. It's about everybody going where they are. To do what? What's the mission? Make disciples. How do we do it, Jesus? He leaves us no question. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These two things, baptizing them and teaching them, encompass making disciples. It's become apparent to me that we maybe have done something unintentional. We've, We've made baptism optional. Jesus says you don't have disciples if you don't baptize them. I didn't say that. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not not telling you something new. Jesus said it. Go as you're going. Make disciples of all the nations. How do we do it? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now unintentionally, I think what we've done by de-emphasizing baptism and saying in, in a good way, and it was an attempt to do a good thing, we've here at Grace Fellowship for nine years have said, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. We don't even require you to go through our mode of baptism to be a member of this church. But baptism is important. Just because it's not essential to you making it to heaven doesn't mean it's unimportant. Paul would have never, ever, ever thought these people are obedient disciples of Christ. They're just not baptized. Never. He would have said, You're a disciple of Christ? And you're not baptized? The Lord's commission said, be baptized. Now, the mode of that and the timing of that and all those things we can talk about. And we have great grace in these issues towards you. But if you're sitting here and your excuse is, I just don't think it's important, take it up with Jesus. He's the King and He said it's important. It's not unimportant. It's very important. It also assumes evangelism. You see that? How are you going to baptize people? So they got to believe. So it assumes this preaching of the gospel I was talking about. Not inviting, but telling them the command of God. Saying to them what the truth is. And then they will believe because God is sovereign and He saves people from every tribe and tongue and nation on the earth. He does it. And when He does it, we baptize them in His name. Not so we take credit, but so that they are credited towards His account. Now, what's the, what's the function that baptism serves? This is the function. It quickly became known as a sacrament. And in the Latin, that term was used in the Roman Empire to talk about taking the pledge to a general. So people pledged their life to a general. They gave themselves, they're in the military, and they gave themselves to this general, their commanding officer. That's the kind of terminology that was taken over into the church dealing with baptism. What are you doing when you go through the waters here at Grace Fellowship? You give a public profession of your faith in Jesus Christ. A public account of that. And you are then baptized into His name publicly. What's already happened inside has happened. But the rest of the world now counts you as His. 
A general would have never thought in the Roman army to go into battle with people not pledged to him. He would have thought that was insane, as a matter of fact. Because he knew their life would be required of them to protect him and the empire. So the least they could do is take the pledge publicly. Jesus knows your life will be required of you to follow him. What he's saying is the least of that is to go public with your profession and be baptized. That's the least. It's the easiest thing, not the hardest thing. You say, well, it's too embarrassing. You know, people already thought I was a Christian, and now I think I've become a Christian, but I've already been baptized, so can we just let that count? Think about that statement a little bit. What are you ashamed of? He's called for your life, and you're quabbling over water? I think that's the way Paul would talk about it. I think that's how he talks about it in Romans. So the first step of disciple-making, and to be a disciple, you must be baptized. Secondly, you must be taught. Not some things, all things. It's a lifelong pursuit of being a disciple. It's not a session here or there. It's not a course that we take. It's not a certificate that we get like I used to when I was a kid. Y'all went through those training union classes where you got this certificate of discipleship. I got one of those when I was like eight. It's like I graduated from the course of discipleship. We're good now. That's not the way Jesus talks about it. Teaching them all things I have commanded you. What did Jesus command you? Everything in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So when you graduate is when you get all of that. That's when you graduate from being a disciple. Discipleship's not confined, you notice, to a method uh, other than teaching. It's not the, it's, in other words, it's not confined to one-on-one meetings. It's kind of being done that way in our world now. Talking about discipleship, it's immediate that we go to who you're meeting with and how are y'all holding each other accountable? What are y'all studying? Discipleship's bigger than that. Let me tell you, here at Grace Fellowship, this is discipleship. You're being discipled right now. That's the largest form of discipleship we have. It's the cornerstone, really, in some ways, of discipleship here is that every Sunday you come here, and every Sunday we systematically walk through the Scripture teaching you the Word of God. And by that, we are functioning in a New Testament way to accomplish this task. That's the highest, broadest level. Down from that are small groups. We have women's groups and men's groups and youth groups and children's meetings and Sunday school and college-age meetings on campus and in homes. And we've got meetings that are sanctioned by the church and funded by the church and meetings that are just brought out of the church by you because you're hungry to teach God's Word with your friends. We've got, that's going on all the time. That's a good thing. That's another level of discipleship, small group discipleship. Down from that, we have a more intimate life-on-life process that, process that's going on all the time where people are learning how to be a better husband be a better wife they're being counseled through their sin they're walking in accountability with their neighbor there's that level of discipleship there's family which I think is like the ground work I think of it as a foundation preaching being a cornerstone in a sense of discipleship and the family being the foundation we're building you men up so you can lead your families read them the word of God and walk through them the Word of God with them. And when they run into life's troubles, talking to them from a biblical worldview perspective and encouraging them to cling to Christ. That's the family. So all of that is discipleship. All of that. And all of it we believe to be essential. 
And so discipleship is made up of both baptism and teaching. Finally, this commission is empowered by His presence. This commission is empowered by His presence. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In John 14, He says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. So what He does in Acts chapter 1, as this is repeated by Luke in Acts chapter 1, is He sends the Holy Spirit with power. And in this way, He is with us until the end of the age. He gives us, He fills us with His very presence to accomplish this. So this is not a pick yourself up by the bootstraps and try harder sermon. This is the Holy Spirit has been given to you. And this is what happens when He resides in you. You make disciples of all nations. He's with us. He's intimate to us. He's personal with us. He loves us. He has given Himself for us. And He is continually empowering us every day to carry out His mission. Which is our mission because He has commissioned us to it. It's the Great Commission. So, how does Grace Fellowship function in regard to this? I'm, I have um, copies of a vision statement. It looks, looks like this. It's for this year. It's not too big a bite. It's a small bite of what it will be here at Grace Fellowship and what it already is. There's not a ton of new stuff here. There's a lot of stuff we're already doing we want to improve. I just want to quickly, as we close, tell you some very specific things. We see this function taking place in four areas of our church. This is the application to Grace Fellowship. First of all, we see it in worship. We see it in community. We see it in service. And we see it in mission. These four things. These four things are not all there is to being a Christian, but they are cornerstones. They are, in effect... Crucial to the mission of being a Christian. Worship, community, service, and mission. And so we've made them our business. We believe they're important, and so we're carrying them out. Worship, here at Grace Fellowship, is the idea of passionate, Christ-centered worship services that follow a gospel liturgy. Everything in our services, if you pay attention, are carrying you to the gospel. Everything in our services are doing that. And so we see that it's, it's... It's our desire to help you encounter Christ while we worship together. Through our weekly services, we pray that God inspires each of you to continue to worship Him daily as individuals, families, and friends. So this year, we launch out into a study of the book of Psalms. The first 41 chapters, the first book of the Psalms, we're going to cover that, God willing, this calendar year. That'll be the meat of what I preach from. From that, the hope is... And this is more incumbent on me than on you. The hope is to develop for you, for me, and for whoever else cares to read it, a Christ-centered commentary of sort on these chapters so that we can see Christ in the Psalms and we can always meditate on Him as we're looking at the Psalter. We want to continue to celebrate communion together once a month in here and then from this service, also in our monthly fellowship meal, which we're going to have in the new facility that should be ready in just a matter of weeks now, this, week, this monthly fellowship, at the conclusion of that, we, seek to have, we look to have a Lord's Supper meal there also because we desire to become more and more New Testament about that. So we're going to have two opportunities for you 
to commune with Christ as a goal for worship. We want to institute designated days of prayer where the elders will come forward at the close of a service and you'll be allowed to come forward for prayer of any kind. Prayer of healing. Prayer for a lost friend, a lost spouse, a lost uh, member of your community. Prayer for yourself. Prayer about your struggles in life. Just any kind of prayer. Prayer about your job. Prayer about anything. And the elders, in a function of, in a way, fulfilling James 5, praying for you in these things. And we'll do that at the close of specific services here. We want to designate offering Sundays where we worship through giving of our offerings. And we haven't worked out that specific yet, but we want to encourage you in giving. The fact is, is that radical mission will call us to be radical in our giving, gracious in our giving. And so, though we've done okay, and we've met budget, and we've exceeded budget this past year, and we're thankful for that, we believe there's much more. There's much more than just meeting budget. There's much more to that. Community. We seek to glorify God by building authentic gospel community at Grace Fellowship. This is accomplished in many ways, but the main way that we accomplish this is through small group ministry. These groups are designed to encourage personal accountability, fellowship, prayer, Bible study, and service to our community. Small group ministry is the place where you connect for, for uh, gospel living and growth. We, we want to encourage men, women, singles groups, all function, uh, all levels of church to funnel into small groups, to spend more time intimately together. We want to encourage church-wide fellowship, so monthly we're going to have a fellowship meal. The goal is not that that be the end, but the beginning of you fellowshipping more and more in your homes together. We hope to encourage hospitality by planning, helping you plan to have people in your home. Now, now's where I get in your kitchen, right? So, someone calls you and says, hey, uh, we'd like to have a fellowship at your house. We'd like you to invite these people. That does two things. One, it puts it on you. And two, it doesn't let you say, yeah, I'm having fellowship with these three families and that's it. I don't care about the rest of the folk. I'm only going to meet with these people. So, we're going to challenge you as members to know everyone in a course of time. And we want to, uh, we want to uh, have intensive Bible study conferences, one that we've already planned with Redeemer, where we will um, be doing something very special with them, but also ABC and Hope Community as we continue to worship together in special opportunity service. The third leg of living out the life of a disciple here at Grace Fellowship, we believe service is vital to spiritual growth. At Grace Fellowship, we focus on service projects through small groups like Ignite County. Each member of Grace Fellowship is challenged to serve others as Christ has served the church. We have Ignite County, and we will continue to serve there in the spring and the fall. We're encouraging our fellowship groups. If you remember, we had fellowship groups last end of last year. We're encouraging those to become service groups where leaders inside those groups will encourage the people in those groups to serve together to accomplish a task in our community. Two a year, so that's eight for the whole year. We're going to follow our deacons' leadership in this area, especially in Save a Life, UCP, Alabama Baptist Children's Home, Angel Tree Ministries we've helped throughout our community. And we want to minister to the widows of our church, continue to love and care for the widows in our church and in our community. And finally, mission. 
We believe the ultimate step in spiritual growth takes place when we see our life as a gospel mission. All members of Grace Fellowship are challenged to evangelize people in their circle of influence. This type of missional living brings others into the process of worshiping Jesus Christ. Maybe this will challenge you more than any, but as I think about the Great Commission, Jesus in Acts said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So I think about our Jerusalem, and I think about where we are in Anniston. And Dave said this, he said, what if the Apostle Paul stopped by and asked us one day, have you talked to so-and-so, an apartment, you know, 110 at Cane Creek? Well, no, we've never talked to them. Why have you not talked to them? You've been here since 2008. Have you spoken to this home? Have you talked to these people? No, we haven't. Have you had any effort to reach the people in this community face-to-face in their homes? Have you interacted with them? Well, we did some things. Okay, but did you go see them? Well, no. At that moment, I thought, you know, Apostle Paul would get all kinds of crazy about that. You're talking about reaching the nations, you ain't even tried to reach Fort McClellan. This thing's just a couple miles big. So, from that, after a lot of repentance in my own heart, I said, what would it look like? We want to organize to influence the people of Fort McClellan with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our goal this year will be to make contact with every family that lives in Fort McClellan. 2013, the end of the year, Paul comes to the staff meeting and says, all right, have y'all tried to reach the people of Fort McClellan? I would like to be able to honestly say we not only tried, but we did it. By the power of God, we reached out to every home here. Secondly, we will organize. One thing we'll do to do this will be to have backyard Bible clubs um, sponsored by our church at Cane Creek in that area and Buckner Circle, two very clear marked out places on a Saturday during May, June, July and a bash here at the church in August to kind of send them back to school. And on those Saturdays, we will preach the gospel to the little children by God's grace in those places and touch their homes, hopefully. That'll be the prayer. So we're going to need adults, youth, college, children, workers. We're going to need everything marshaled towards this effort. We want to start a Mother's Day Out Bible study for the women here and the, those who um, in the rest of our community that want to join with us to study God's Word. We want to train you in evangelism and how to reach your community. We want to support our missionaries. Jill Ray leaves in two weeks to go to India. And you're going with her. A group of ladies met at the home, my home last night to pray for her, send her off. We're going to have a commissioning for her next week, but she's not our only missionary. We have missionaries all across the globe. We want to do a good job of supporting them. And finally, we want to organize, um, by God's grace, a home mission endeavor, something that we can do here outside of our local Jerusalem to reach out to the lost world, to help a ministry that's reaching out to the lost world here in the United States. I'm going to give you this. I've run through, so I can't remember all that. That's why we typed it up. We've took the time to print it, and I'm going to hand it to you. I want you to take it. I want you to think through it. I left space for you here, and you can write your own notes, your own strategies for your own family, how we're going to do this. You should come, become very familiar with everything here. So it's not just a one-day thing. It's you're going to be referenced to this as we go through the year. Jesus' mission is our mission. Jesus' power will carry us to the finish line. 
the end of our life, He's worth it. He's worth it at the end of the day. That's why we do what we do, because He is glorious. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think about the passage in the Psalms where it talks about God's glory wrapping from one shore to the other to cover it, to, in a sense, clothe the earth in the glory of the Lord. I think about that, the new heavens and the new earth, and I think we've been given an opportunity to see that kind of thing happen right now, to see lives and churches and communities transformed right now. It's worth it to give my life to this. It's worth it. Let's pray together. Father, as we pray and bow before you,